Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hi, this is Penny. Welcome to the Flourish Podcast today. It's interesting. In the last few years, I've done different teachings on relating to adult children because all of my children are adults now. My youngest is 26. My oldest is 40. So all eight of them are grown and adults. So I often share from that perspective. But I thought today I might share some principles that kind of were near and dear to my heart as my kids were growing up and maybe even some stories. Years ago, I spoke at uh, the church we were pastoring, Living Hope Church, on this topic on Mother's Day. And I remember one of my friends saying to me, you aren't going to talk about being a perfect mom, are you? And I said, no, because I don't have any experience with that. (laughs) And I didn't. Being a mom to me of eight kids, I absolutely loved it. It was very challenging and had some real crazy moments, but I really loved it. It, it just kind of sometimes when you really think about it, like Genesis 4.1, Eve talks about how she had gotten a child with the help of the Lord. And when you think about pregnancy and motherhood and the supernatural side of that, that this little human being comes and lives inside of a woman, it's kind of crazy. And you, you just realize, wow, this is a miracle. And I get to be part of of God breathing life into someone. It's really, it's really something. Um, Keith and I were married in 1978, and we waited, and it took us five years to have our first child, and then four years for the next one. And then something happened, because the next kids, one was 18 months later, then the next one 14 months later, and the next one 16 month later, months later, and then our last three are th- each 13 months apart. And so, needless to say, life at our house was always wild and crazy. It wasn't quiet. It wasn't one of those, oh, such a peaceful, quiet home all the time. We had all kinds of personalities. Uh, Keith is a pretty rambunctious fella, and a lot of my kids are pretty rambunctious. So it was noisy and fun and crazy. But uh, one story that always makes me laugh is there was a time where Keith was in jail for pro-life he had um, done a rescue, and they had arrested him. You know, rescue is where you go in front of the abortion clinic and just pray. And he was arrested for blocking the abortion clinic door. So I was home alone, and I think I might have had uh, five kids at that point in time. And Stacy was about seven. Uh, Natalie was three. Benaya was two. Maybe I had four kids. And, and Emily was just like one. And I decided I needed to go to Walmart. So I had the two youngest inside the grocery cart and the other two walking beside me. So there I am in Walmart, you know, thinking, okay, I made it through the shopping. Good. Let's check out. Need to get out of the store. Can't wait. And at that time, I was homeschooling my two older kids. And it was happened to be the end of September. So there we are. And I'm trying to check out. And, and one of my kids, I think it was Natalie, the five-year-old's, getting all kinds of things from the candy section and saying, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? And I'm trying to redirect her. And then 
somewhere along the line, I dropped all the change out of my purse onto the floor. And so meanwhile, my face is getting more and more red because I'm embarrassed. And um, one of the, the ladies said, oh, why aren't your kids in school? And my oldest said, oh, we are homeschooled, but we didn't get our homeschool materials yet. So we didn't even start yet. So again, I'm, I'm just feeling really, really embarrassed. So I bend over, start picking up, painfully picking up all my change. And in the process while I'm doing that, Benaya, the two-year-old, leapt out of the cart onto my back. So it just kept getting worse. It just kept getting worse. And I am just so embarrassed. By that time, I put him back in the cart. I'm trying desperately to get out of there. And Stacy, who again was seven and was actually incredibly proud of her dad, said to me, hey, mom, when will dad be getting out of jail? And I just kind of ignored it in order to downplay it. And of course, she said it again. Mom, when is dad going to be getting out of jail? So then I had to explain to the cashier that he was in jail because of standing up for the unborn. But by the time I left there, I was completely humiliated. But that could sum up a day in the life. That's kind of how our life was. But since that point in time, things have changed a lot. I now am a grandmother to 18 kids, and I've learned a lot of things throughout those years. And the greatest secret for my semi-sanity and perseverance could be found in Psalm 32, 7 and 8. And it says, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And God did that for me. He was my hiding place. He was my refuge. And he surrounded me with songs of help and deliverance because I was desperate. I ran a lot to God for help. There, We lived on um, 30 acres in Ligonier, a beautiful town. And I would often go by myself when I had a moment to the top of the hill and just say, God, help and get out the Bible and just cry out to God for help. I was smart enough to know I needed a lot of help. But one of the things I've learned throughout the years is don't major on the minors. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the Stepford Wives movie, but sometimes I feel we're pressured to create these Stepford children that have to comply and be so perfect and so in line and so well-disciplined. It's excessive. And we tend to like every little, I, I know there was a season in my life where every little thing my kids did, I, I felt I had to correct them for. And obviously, age and experience is a good teacher. But with my grandkids, I've learned a different way to relate to kids. And it's not nearly as rigid. Um, from chores to studies to character training, we could put a lot of pressure on our kids to be perfect. And sometimes it's like, okay, well, they're a reflection on me. And, and we would get angry when they didn't measure up because it was like a failure on our behalf. You know, we would feel like, wow, I'm really failing. And uh, another funny story, this, again, we had company that came to visit and it was a pastor and his wife and their kids. And Nathan, who might have been four or five at the time, it was just such a 
little rascal of a cute little boy came out and Keith said to him, hey, did you brush your teeth? And I, and he said, no, I didn't. And Keith said, well, go get your toothbrush and brush your teeth. And he goes, well, I can't find it. And Keith said, well, when's the last time you had it? He goes, oh, never. I've never brushed my teeth. Meanwhile, he's, he's five years old. and <laughs> Just like constant little moments where, wow. One time my uh, daughter, Natalie, we had a pastor come and visit and Keith wasn't home that day and I didn't have my glasses on. She was about two and a half or so. She was in the kitchen playing and this pastor sat down for a few minutes and I saw her come to the doorway with something yellow in her hand and she's eating it. And I said, Natalie, keep the banana in the kitchen, please. I don't want you out here with it. And she's just a little girl. So she just puddles back into the kitchen and continues to eat it. And uh, the pastor, he never said anything to me. And after he left, I went into the kitchen and there was an empty butter wrapper. She had eaten a whole stick of butter. And again, this was just kind of our lifestyle. But I learned throughout the years to learn to discipline for things that are serious, that are clear, like disrespect, harming others. And as much as I possibly could to learn how to redirect kids, like not to feel like everything I have to come down on them for and everything I have to like, okay, you know, you're on timeout, you're in trouble, but learn how to really relate to them as people and to kind of direct them in another way, especially when they're really little. Isaiah 40, 11 says, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. I love that description. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Wow. I mean, what a great illustration for raising kids. And again, I know there are teachings on both sides of the coin. Sometimes it's too... Like you don't ever spank them, you don't ever discipline, you just only do kindness all the time. And then there's the other side, you know, where you got to really be on every single thing. I think when Keith and I were young parents, it was much more about adherence and extreme strictness and paddling and all those type of things. Not that it's wrong to paddle, but this concept of like a shepherd tending his flock, gathering the lambs and carrying them in his bosom and gently leading the nursing young ones. Wow, that's pretty cool mindset to keep in mind when you're raising your kids. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 has always been one of my favorite verses. And it says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute with God and man. So, Kindness and truth have to go together. Surely we have to bring truth to our children while they're still in our home and while they're young. We have to speak to them and bring truth and and principles and, and train them. But it has to be with kindness. We cannot exclude that part of it. If we're harsh and gruff and rough and overbearing, they're going to get the very wrong message. And it is not the message that God would give. If we think about how God deals with us, it should give us some good perspective on how to deal with our children. You know, <clears throat> sometimes when things are way over the top that our kids do, we can react in 
a way that's a little bit excessive. You know, I know one time Benaiah had decided that he was going to wash his quad that he had in our pond. So he backed it into the pond. And of course, the, the line, the exhaust filled with water and all that type of thing. So then it wouldn't start, of course. So he decides, unbeknownst to me, I'm, I was outside across the way from where he was. He takes the quad up to the barn that we had and also takes my vacuum cleaner up there with him because he's going to suck out the water out of the exhaust of the, the quad. So I'm just kind of not really paying much attention when all of a sudden I see this giant flame coming out of my vacuum cleaner. He, he exploded the vacuum cleaner. And by the time... I went, got over there, and we were able to get the fire out and all that. My vacuum cleaner was like about the size of a loaf of bread. And so you want to react, and you want to really like be, oh my gosh, what have you done? But then you have to take a step back and realize that was not their intention. Yes, we can instruct them. Yes, we can say, that was the wrong way to do it. You should have talked to me. But we have to pick our battles and really train and teach and instruct and not allow ourselves to become emotionally upset all the time by what our young kids do. There's so many times I wished I would have had a redo on some things. You know, patience is a fruit of the spirit. It's available and we have to go after it. Excuse me, one other story that Keith loves to retell, and so does Benaiah, my oldest son, was the time when he was bouncing his basketball. He must have been 12 or 13 even. He was bouncing his basketball off our kitchen wall consistently, and I kept saying, you're going to make marks, please stop that. And he just kind of pushing the envelope, just kept doing it. And I did something which was very much out of character for me because I was not an ill-tempered mother. I was not an irrational, wound-up crazy mom. But I got the basketball and I took a butcher knife and stabbed it. And he just stood there and and was like appalled and in shock that I would possibly do that. And it just kind of is funny that sometimes we can really react to things. And I'm sure I probably told him later, well, that probably was a bit excessive. He didn't like the fact that later on in life, when he was a, a young man, I think he was married even, the radio local sports radio station was looking for Mother's Day stories, and they wanted crazy, wild Mother's Day stories. And he called, and of course, they put his story on the air, and he thought that was great. But (laughs) there were moments I would have liked to have had a redo. And I just think it's so critical to slow ourselves down, to not feel this immense pressure to conform these kids in such a way that it's it's over the top. Yes, we want to guide them and instruct them, and train them, and teach them. But wow, that verse about gentle with those little lambs, and like leading them in such tenderness and gentleness, needs to be before our eyes as well. Affirmation and affection are vital. I grew up, I grew up with, without a lot of this. My mom, again, I've said before, it was the salt of the earth. She just didn't know how to do those things. She didn't like affection very much, and she didn't really know how to affirm. So it's so important to a young person's life. It's like sunshine. It's like fertilizer. You know, you think of the the father of the prodigal, how he met and ran and and caressed and kissed his son. Keith and I still hug and kiss our kids, and they're older. 
you know, like I said, they're in their 20s and 30s. Um, Sometimes you're the only one who affirms and reminds your kids of their value. Schools are a rough place nowadays. Peer units can be so rough. Being around their friends even, you know, life is tough. And they need someone that's cheering them on. That's just saying, hey, you're, you're so loved here. You are so valuable. And you've got this. We're with you. We believe in you. Learn how to let go of any regret or unforgiveness. You know, I, if I would have dwelled on all the mistakes I made and all the times I failed or could have done better, it would have really messed me up. But Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And that means forgive yourselves too. Mothers are incredibly good at perceiving all their weaknesses and failures. Some that are not even real at all. Forgive yourself. Be tender to yourself. Be tender-hearted. One of my favorite books, Abba's Child, Brendan Manning says, self-rejection and self-hatred are the greatest schemes of the spiritual life because they contradict the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Remember that you're the beloved. Your children are, are the beloved as well, and they need to be treated as such, but you also are. So let go of all the self-hatred. I mean, I've heard friends talk about themselves as mothers in such derogatory terms, and I'm sure they, they messed up. I'm sure they made mistakes. But try to walk in forgiveness toward yourself. Remember that a forgiven person is a forgiving person. When you're able to f- be forgiven and live under that and live under the smile of God, you become a much more gracious and forgiving person. Perhaps you need to forgive your kids. Maybe you need to just be very purposeful and say, I've, I've held a grudge. I've been offended. I've been hurt by them. I, I don't treat them 100% the way I want to because I'm, I'm frustrated with them. I'm annoyed even with some of them, whether they're younger or adults. Make a point. Be purposeful. Forgive them. Don't let any anger build up in your heart towards your kids. One of the greatest characteristics and abilities in a Christian is the ability to profoundly and fully forgive. So forgive your kids. Keep an open door, an open heart, an open passageway between you and them. Yes, be a parent. When they're young, that's what you're doing. You're parenting. When they're older, I believe, It's wise to transition into, yes, you still have an honored role as a parent, but you also become their friend. And they learn to confide in you as a friend and to know that that you're a safe place and you're still a cheerleader for them. You're still an encourager. So as Mother's Day has just passed, and hopefully it wasn't too hard on on most of y'all, I know it can be a very hard day for women for a lot of different reasons. But let me just pray with you. Father, I thank you for all the folks that are listening to this podcast. And I pray, God, in whatever situation they're in, whether they're parent, whether they're not, just encourage them, Lord. Keep them in that place where they know that they're forgiven, that you have a tremendous purpose for their life, God. And those that are parents, that are mothers of even young children, I pray, God, that they could have that tender heart that they could forgive their kids, forgive themselves, 
and just live in a place of of going back always to tenderness and kindness and kindness and truth mingled, not just to ignore things or act like they don't exist or sometimes, you know, we can just not want to deal some deal with something because it's a, it's difficult. So we just kind of let it pass and turn a blind eye, but not that Lord help them to see things, to appraise things and to know how to lovingly and kindly handle and bring correction and truth to those things Lord, give them wisdom. I know there's probably many mothers who can be at their wits end and don't always know what to do next or how to bring um, sanity or peace to their home. Just help them, Lord. Come alongside and help in Jesus' name. Bless y'all and love you. Thanks for listening to the Flourish Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.